Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We are recording this morning from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And we welcome you all. Thank you for joining us. And we'll start with our morning prayer. I will read from page 165 of Miscellany and Christian Science versus Pantheism, page 14. Goodness never fails to receive its reward, for goodness makes life a blessing. As an active portion of one stupendous whole, goodness identifies man with universal good. Thus may each member of this church rise above the oft-repeated inquiry, what am I, to the scientific response, I am able to impart truth, health, and happiness, and this is my rock of salvation and my reason for existing. Set your affections on things above. Love one another. Commune at the table of our Lord in one spirit. Worship in spirit and in truth. And in daily adoring, imploring, and living the divine life, truth, and love, thou shalt partake of the bread that cometh down from heaven, drink of the cup of salvation, and be baptized in spirit. Mary Baker Eddie. It's beautiful and very perfect. Thank you. All right. Karen, the watch. Watch number 132. Watch lest you conceive of the power of God as acting in your behalf to care for you and protect you only when you are consciously thinking right. Your demonstration is to establish the fact that your light is shining away the darkness of fear, whether your conscious thought seems scientific or, for the moment, depressed. You must know that demonstration still goes on, <clears throat> and that the phase of mortal mind that is trying to call itself you has no power to interfere with the eternal operation and tender care of infinite love. God never withdraws himself. Mortals merely lose sight of him. Christian science explains God as infinite love, forever caring for man, whether he knows it or not. But when through false belief, man loses sight of this fact, it requires importunity, importunity with his own understanding with his own demonstrating sense, in order to regain his consciousness of it, so that to him it is active and operating. This is that he said to Calvin Fry, quote, Make supplication to God daily, that you may be delivered from all belief of sin or sickness. And after doing this, then turn to and demand of yourself to realize their unreality and recognize your power over the temptation to yield to any such an illusion. It is the preponderance of good or over evil in man's thinking that determines what his manifestation will be. His consciousness of his relation to God must be renewed daily. Why? Because he is dealing with a leaky vessel. The claim is that whatever one puts into this so-called human mind leaks out, whether it be truth or error. One must seek to think right each day in order to keep the spiritual level of this thought, of his thought at the high point that will enable infinite love <clears throat> to flow into him and through him. Mrs. Eddy sought to keep her students on their toes spiritually by instilling them with the fear of the Lord and the seriousness of the situation, if they permitted what they knew of truth to leak away. Thank you. Comments on that? Well, I was trying to 
as I was speaking about, I was thinking about what's the answer to this uh, belief of a leaky vessel. And it is thinking, um, it's human mind thinking. And the answer to that is to know that there's only one source of knowing, and that's the Christ, which is a leak proof. <laughs> and uh, so I was just um, thinking, thinking, there you go, <laughs> um, just acknowledging that there's only one mind knowing, and uh, that's the Christ, and that's, that's effortless. That's just reflecting the one mind. Thank you, and it's why in our responsive reading, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let, let, let it happen. Open your thoughts to it and let it happen. And why we start every morning, even before we we get out of bed, with God is mind, God is my mind, and God is the only pure and perfect mind. And also, what does Mrs. Eddy say about yes, I, about having the mind of Christ, my, and my mind cannot drift into evil. There's no drifting, because I'll see that with people, uh, just drifting, you know, just getting farther and farther out, not feeling you need to read the lesson, not feeling you need to do this, everything's all right, and pretty soon you're way out to sea without a paddle, and you got to make vigorous efforts to save yourself, right? I'm sure you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy? I was thinking about the that concept of a leaky vessel, because I know there's been various times where I felt like, I, I don't know, once in a while you get this feeling like you, you have a you have a good understanding and you can get through the day and then you know <laughs> at some point it feels like it's fading away and you got to keep it up. So I I don't know. I found that very very interesting. So and once in a while something's uncovered and you realize no, I actually had a huge hole in the side <laughs> that I got to take care of. So, so now, you know, learning to be grateful for those uncoverings is important. Thank you. Yes, it is. Yeah, and and what did Mrs. Eddy say about, you know, Daniel praying three times a day, turning his face to Jerusalem, and can we do any less? We must must always bring ourselves back to the Christ. Stay in the Father's house, I'd say it. Say it. Stay in the Father's house. Mm-hmm. I, think because I was talking we, to my... Oh, sorry. Sorry. Because his laws are established, it's good for us, and it's up to us to come to it, to make sure that our thinking is with it all the time. Yet the ever-present mind, the infinite love, it's all boundless, endless. So it's as ready established for us to take advantage of or to be grateful enough, to fear God enough, to obey what these laws say. Yes, thank you. Karen? Well, I was talking to my sister yesterday, and she brought up something that I don't know that I've ever heard her say before, but we were both raised in Christian science, but um, she left quite a while, a long time ago, and she told me yesterday that one of the reasons why she left was that she found being a Christian science exhausting. And we talked about it a little bit, and based on this... uh, what we've been thinking about this week and, and the, the watch, I I um, I found that interesting, but I sort of realized where she was coming from. It seems, or somebody would think that, well, you're always correcting something, you're always denying, you're always having to. But if we know that it is God knowing, that we're just we're just the reflection of God knowing. He's doing the knowing. He's doing the works. It's not us. Um, we can't, we're not changing or doing anything. It's all God. I think that's where um, the the belief that there's an, we have to work to keep ourselves um, in, in, in connected to God. And that that's not, the, that's not true. It's not the case. And, and I, I, I was glad she brought it up because it made me think about how to talk about it to somebody. But, yeah, thank you. You think of a little child, you know, they're just those natural reflections. It's not hard. That's why Christ Jesus said we must become as, as a little child. Yeah. And uh, we make it hard. 
and and also as we've talked about ultimately it is much harder not to do this it's much more exhausting not to do this she did not get a right sense of what it really is and and that's that's the foster model yeah it reminds me of uh in the chosen, uh, the, when they were talking about how hard it is to follow the six hundred commandments and exhausting, <laughs> and even the Pharisees, how exhausting that was, and that that's the wrong sense of yeah, and that was all the rules and strange uh, um, culture that the Boston picked up too. That I feel she was reacting to. Yeah, I'm sure it. I'm yeah. sure so. Yes. It's very different to me that life when I was trying to be a Christian scientist and even though it does it is work and that's why it says it's straight and narrow the way and few there you find it <laughs> and you got to keep staying on it but to me the work is very different it's more joyous more peaceful just the results but it, it would be hard work if you did it in the Boston way especially if there's no results yeah that's right well, when the human mind comes in and tries to tend the regulator and right. thinks that and and thinks that the human mind has to do something, yeah, that's when everything turns sideways. Um, you know, when the Boston directors got to the point where they thought they had to protect the science, they had to protect the organization from whatever they. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> then their job became very difficult and complicated. And of course, the work that we have is to get out of the human mind, yeah. <laughs> is to get back to God, is to be the child of God and humbly listen and humbly follow. And that's not exhausting. No. And it's beautiful the way this watching point brings out, even even though maybe you think you're not in the presence of God, you are. And that's why, and I know people who have had these experiences in childhood where it seemed difficult or whatever, um, and maybe that you weren't in the presence of God. Yes, you were always in the presence of God. and And eventually you will see that in all the other stuff will just fade away and fall out of your your consciousness because it was not true you were always in the presence of god and even when you feel like you're not making progress you are making progress if you if you're striving at all if you're trying trying at all to think good thoughts you are making progress and when the smoke of battle clears as mrs eddy said you will see what you've accomplished I know that in my own experience, I thought I was never, I was, oh, I was going on and on. I wasn't making any progress. And then suddenly, whoop, and, and I saw, yes, all that it transpired. Florence was going to, yes, Florence. No, I'm saying exactly the same thing. It seems like it never, I thought I would never smile again. I thought I just, this is it. I mean, when I was ready, it doesn't matter anymore. I don't care anymore. And then everything changed. It changed just like that. So no matter what, that's what I I was saying before, that God's laws for us are good, only good. And it's already there no matter what. It's already there. It's just ourselves getting our thinking straight so that we can, you know, see what God has already done, which is only good. Yes. Error doesn't want you to. Know that you're making progress. Thank you. Yes, that's very true. If we get a chance, we're going to talk more about that. Yeah, ERA doesn't want you. Those are all the ERA suggestions. You're not making progress. You're just, you know, this doesn't work. It's no, no good. That's what ERA wants you to believe. And that's the little foxes that spoil the vine. You be alert. Now, and there was a very important thing in this watching point, too, where it says, um, to, to demand of yourself to realize their unreality of the era. This is quoting Mrs. Eddy. And, and recognize your power over temptation to yield to any such an illusion. This is a very vital point. We've talked about it before. But this first you will get the suggestion. And then is the temptation to believe the suggestion. 
We talked about it last week. I am. If you don't say I am with I am perfect, I am good, then you are disobeying the commandment, taking God's name in vain. So you get a thought. I am miserable. Aha. Are you going to yield to the temptation? Are you going to say there is a power other than God and I am bowing before you? I am miserable. Yes, I am. And I have all these reasons to be miserable. Well, there you go. This is why we say the Lord's Prayer. And God leadeth us not into temptation, but delivereth us from sin. And it is a sin to believe that there is a power other than God. Disease and death. Those are all suggestions. They will come to you in every kind of situation. Right now, all the suggestions about the nameless nothing. You hear it. Are you going to yield to the temptation to believe there is a power other than God? No. Thank no. You. <laughs> and why? Because God helps you with this. Recognize your power over the temptation to yield any such suggestion. And in that wonderful, I guess, article, Things to Handle Daily from Watches, Prayers, and Arguments, Mrs. Eddy says, Make supplication to God daily that you may be delivered from all beliefs of sin or of sickness. And after doing this, then turn to and, and demand of yourself to realize their unreality and recognize your power over them, the temptation to yield to any such illusion. And so, that's why she told um, James Neal also to pray daily, lead me not into temptation, because lead me not, in, not to lose sight of strict purity, clean, pure thoughts. Let all my thoughts and aims be high, unselfish, charitable, meek, spiritually minded. And it goes on a little bit more. Thank but you. Thank you. Yes. So remember, watch your thinking. Stay in the Father's house. First, the suggestion, then the temptation to yield to the suggestion. And if you let those things quickly go past without filtering them, yeah. then suddenly, whoops, you're miserable, you're sick, you're whatever else. You can stop it there, nip it in the bud. Um, so important. Christian science is preventative as well as curative. And if you do it right, it's not exhausting. <laughs> no, it isn't. It's, it's not exhausting at all. I think it's only exhausting if you try to do it and then like go back to your your life, you know, your other life. Oh, right. Like, uh, yeah. Thinking That's about it. Or it's exhausting if you try to make it happen. I think one of the um, one of the things on that list of things to do daily is she talks about, you know, when you're saying just just know that God is, and she said, but don't do it with a sense of straining. So whenever I feel like I'm straining or something, I'm like, oh wait, I'm trying to make something happen, like it hasn't happened or Thank it you. isn't already true. Yeah, it's human human effort. Yeah, if you feel like you're having to get rid of something that is real. But bad, <clears throat> then your premise is wrong, and you're, and it's not going to work, and it's going to feel exhausting. Yeah, you're believing in a reality of something and trying to get rid of the reality. Well, that's impossible. You've got to go back to God being the only power. I think Zari's trying yeah, to say I think something. She can go, Zari, were you saying something? I was just saying that that is so true, um, because um, the situation here. Um, is is something that I'm I'm realizing this about when things become very arduous uh, and um, one feels that it's something else. One has to say, okay, Father, Mother, God, perhaps there's this other option, and it just uh, we let go of the illusion yeah. because. Um, People, you know, I was thinking about how Jesus, when he asked people, do you want to be healed? And he could feel. And then there were the, you know, the nine who didn't say thank you. And, you know, I would just like to, uh, to, to, to be so aware and so discerning that I'm 
you know, when I see that coming, um, I let it go. I just was thinking about how, you know, before coming here, learning human knowledge, human knowledge was often taken as, oh, this is, I can use this to make my life better. But then coming here, that's not, it's not the same thing. We're not supposed to look at it as something to make our life better. We're supposed to come here and figure out what, what is God saying my life is supposed to be. And that's, that's a lot different. So Exactly. Thank you. Much different. This is about God. Ultimately, all of this, this isn't about you. It's about God. It's all about God. And if your focus is on God and how to express him and reflect him, you're on the right course. If you're trying to humanly change yourself or humanly make things better, as as Lenny was saying, then it's human and it's not going to work. And, and and to follow that up, if it sounds weird to anyone, my my human life wasn't really that good, but the life that God has given me is really awesome. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite happy with it. I know we all are. That's right. We're all so happy with the life that God has given us. And I used to be. I used to say I am miserable, <laughs> and I would. I believed it, and I was it. But no more. No, thank you. Um, okay, and, and in doing all of this, my friends, this is true sacrament. This is what sacrament is. This is the doing, the living, the following in, in Christ's way. Um, I have many things people sent me this week, and some from Carrie and Louise. This from Carrie, the definition of sacrament is in present usage, an outward invisible sign of inward and spiritual grace. Or more particularly, a solemn religious ceremony enjoined by Christ, the head of the Christian church, to be observed by his followers, by which their special relation to him is created, or their obligations to him renewed and ratified. And then the word communion, fellowship, intercourse between two persons or more, interchange or transactions, a state of giving and receiving, agreement and concord. So... So, Mrs. Eddy, we have this every, every uh, what, twice every year, sacrament, mm -hmm. to just remind ourselves of what we're doing and why, and to purify our motives, and to consecrate ourselves more deeply to this. Also, I loved in this same, this is, was an article, Union and Communion, by Kate Swope. It brings out what true prayer is. Our prayer does not bring God down to a mortal's need, but lifts man up to the divine sufficiency, wherein he loses his sense of need in the at-one-ment with his God, the all-good. In this at-one-ment, all prayer is answered and all need is supplied. And this is what we know to be prayer. It's not begging God to help us, but to know he's with us. He's all-power. And when you really get into that, all these problems end up just diminishing, disappearing, going back to their native nothingness. All right, now, um, Shardell, what did you write? Well, where I am right now, remember, I was raised in another Protestant church. So sacrament was a little different, and uh, Eucharist, etc., and but to come here and where I am right now is uh, it's my pledge, it's my promise, my oath to God, uh, who is my salvation. Uh, and I, I need to obey the commandments of the Sermon on the Mount. Am I willing to drink the cup and partake of his truth to be made pure? Each day I strive. This is Eddie told us we must strive. And that's different than just wanting something. So I do, and I know that God is always faithful, so I can be faithful also. This must be what it means to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. This is a mighty fine work, and if I hadn't come here to the Plainfield Church, I doubt I would have begun to realize the deep meaning of this sacrament. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay, Sari. Hang on, Zeri. <laughs> okay. All right. Go All ahead. right. Now you're on. 
Okay, I was just going to say I agree there because the tools that I get at Plainfield are so much deeper than I was getting before to work with. And uh, this is so important for me to be able to understand the material on a different level. So I just will develop my spiritual understanding and know that it's more and more and know that uh, God doesn't take me part of the way. God takes me all of the way. And uh, I'm very grateful for this. Thank you. I mean, think of it. This is the pearl of great price in the Bible that's talked about. What is greater? What is more important than this? It's the answer to everything. Every problem known to man is right here, the pearl of great price before us. And are we going to be so foolish that we don't embrace it, accept it, and, and work for it? Again, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. That is our true desire. God blesses that. But if we're all over the place seeking other interests, other pursuits, then, then we'll lose this pearl of great price. And that doesn't mean that we don't have wonderful lives, interesting lives, enriching lives, they're all the more so. But they're made so because we see it. We behold his beauty in all things. And we're always inquiring in his temple. We're always looking to see how we can learn more about him, the creator of all. Okay, Nancy, what you wrote. In um, our lesson in Micah, um, he hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. And I looked up uh, in Webster's what I thought were the key words, justly, to be, it's honestly, fairly, with integrity, mercy, mildness or tenderness of heart to forgive trespasses to walk to advance by steps to pursue a particular course of life and humbly lowly modest meek so to me that meant that god requires us to act justly by doing what is right by being honest and dealing fairly with others to love mercy by being tender-hearted and having compassion and forgiving the trespasses of others as he forgives ours, loving God supremely and our neighbor as ourselves, and to walk humbly with him, honoring him in meekness, is by letting go of self, of self-will, self-justification, ego, and pride, and letting God guide us in our walk with him, acknowledging that he is ever-present with us, and turning to him in everything that we do, and knowing that all that we do, we do through him. And to me, most importantly, is to remember that this walk is to be taken daily, moment by moment, a constant striving to abide with him always. Beautiful. Yeah. Such a beautiful thing from Micah. We were given that, and so I said in the, the Jewish temple in Plainfield had that inscribed in stone on its walls, outside wall. It's a beautiful. And so let me ask you, is that exhausting? Well, if it's exhausting, then so be it. <laughs> Some things take a little effort, but to me, to me, when I want to center myself, I think of that. That's all that's required of me. When am I doing that? <clears throat> so thank you, Nancy. Yeah. I like that about mercy uh, with mildness of heart. I've, thinking about it you know christ jesus was upbraiding them for their hardness of heart and you, you yeah. don't want that so thank you very much so all right now louise in missouri sent me a couple of really good articles um which i will she excerpted from very important in our discussion of uh sacrament said she was led to an article called the cup um by a Richard Davis, 
and I appreciate the portions of it where the author addresses the subject that comes up now and again during the Plainfield Roundtables, how we need not fear the challenges that come, as they inevitably will, as we work for God and grow spiritually. Rather, we should embrace them, be grateful for them, face them fearlessly and with joy, even every time error tries to raise its ugly head in our lives, seeing each instance as an opportunity to demonstrate the supremacy of good over evil. <clears throat> and then, on this subject, the article states specifically, and then quote, Only by the way of the cross shall any of us gain the crown. And the cross, as Mrs. Eddy explains, is the cup. The necessity and experience of facing error, the lie of mortal mind, and thus proving its nothingness. We are called upon to study understandingly and demonstrate the infinite science of being. Is it to be expected that one can compass this measureless science without study or effort? You see, we're not being handed things on a silver platter. It will take some work. And it's not something that you can inherit from your parents yes. or grandparents. That's why this first or second and fourth generation Christian scientist has nothing to do with reality. <laughs> okay. And then continue. We advance in our understanding of Christian science gradually, not by leaps and bounds, but courageously facing the illusion of materiality in its myriad manifestations and joyously proving every lying suggestion unreal. It is one thing to grasp a point in the metaphysics of Christian science intellectually and quite another to prove that point in practical demonstration. A sound thinker will not let any sense of a private personal understanding or egotism make him assume a spiritual position he has not demonstrated. There is a wide difference between intellectually perceiving a metaphysical fact and utilizing it scientifically, and thus, through the spiritual vision, destroying or eliminating the error or illusion. One should not be ashamed to admit that he sometimes is handled by fear. It is possible that some students ignore the specific facing of evil, not because they have demonstrated their dominion over it, but because they are afraid to actually face its claims to reality and thereby prove its nothingness. A true soldier is not an escapist. He is not afraid to drink the cup of Christ. Now, that is such a huge point. And, and I know this to be true because this is what I used to do. The, when a person has really overcome the error, you can tell it. There's a clout there. But when people are just running and saying, God is love, God is love, everything's wonderful. <laughs> because they're afraid to face it. That is is annoying. <laughs> and, and I did it all the time. And that's why I annoyed Mrs. Evans so much because I, I was afraid to face it. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to, I, I love the idea. Oh, it doesn't exist. I'm not going to talk about it. Everything is fine. In the meantime, I was a bowl full of jelly, fearful jelly, shaking jelly. This isn't a very attractive picture. <laughs> anyway, so let's get over this. And, and I love the way he said it, drinking the cup. This is the true sacrament, overcoming your beliefs in error on a daily basis. And they come all the time in many ways. And then this also, another article, Would You Keep the Passover by John Randall Dunn. Mrs. Eddy's statement in miscellany interprets the material Passover spiritually as the Passover from sense to soul, in page 156. I love that we are passing over from sense to soul, daily and hourly, as we commune with our Father, Mother, God. Mr. Dunn asks, is a Christian scientist not celebrating a Passover every time he triumphs over the argument of disease, and whenever he is led through the Red Sea of some, some seemingly insuperable 
problem of fear or sin or limitation. And then Louise says, great point. So every struggle and victory we have with and over era is, in fact, a Passover experience to be celebrated. And she looked up that word, insuperable, incapable of being surmounted, overcome, passed over, or solved. The passing through the Red Sea was an insuperable problem, it would seem, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. But... Nothing is impossible to God. Therefore, there's no such thing as that. And every time we demonstrate it, we've made incredible progress, not only for ourselves, but for the whole human race. It's a spiritualization of the mind. And along with that, and this is very important. And, I, and all of you, if you haven't, you need to study. And I brought it up often. So hopefully those of you who have been here a while have studied Faith Cure, Retrospection and Introspection, 54 and 55. And I have, I have often said it is what separates the men from the boys in Christian science. And again, if this is exhausting, well, so be <laughs> <laughs> the theme of the round table is this exhausting or not <laughs> oh my it is often asked this is Mrs. Eddie why are faith cures sometimes more speedy than some of the cures wrought through Christian scientists because faith is belief and not understanding and it is easier to believe than to understand spiritual truth it demands less cross-bearing, self-renunciation, and divine science to admit the claims of the corporeal sense and appeal to God for relief through a humanized conception of his power than to deny these claims and learn the divine way, drinking Jesus' cup, being baptized with his baptism, gaining the end through the persecution, through persecution and purity. Millions are believing in God or good without bearing the fruits of goodness. We hear about that, right? And having reached its science, and oh, excuse me, millions are believing in God or good without bearing the fruits of goodness, not having reached its science. Belief is <clears throat> blindless when it admits, admits truth without understanding. Blind belief cannot say with the apostle, I know whom I have in I have believed. There is danger in this mental state called belief, for if truth is admitted but not understood, it may be lost, and error may enter through the same channel or of ignorant belief. The faith cure has devote followers whose Christian practice is far in advance of their theory. The work of healing in the science of mind is the most sacred and salutary power which can be wielded. My Christian students, impressed with the true sense in the great work before them, enter this straight and narrow path and work conscientiously. Let us follow the example of Jesus, the master metaphysician, and gain sufficient knowledge of error to destroy it with truth. Evil is not mastered by evil. It can only be overcome with good. This brings out the nothingness of evil and the eternal somethingness, vindicates the divine principle and improves the race of Adam. That is true Christian science healing. Faith cure, just belief, and maybe, you know, maybe that will render some instantaneous healings at times, but willing to take up the cross and to do the work. Again, is that exhausting? Nah. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> you love the work. It's not. It's wonderful work. It's exciting. It's thrilling. Could be nothing better to do. But so don't be impressed. Please don't be impressed with all what are called instantaneous healings or all this kind of healing that goes on here, there, and everywhere. You know, you see it, some of these revival meetings and stuff. I'm not so sure. God is in it, and it's really... The demonstration, taking up the cross, following the Christ, well, great. If not, then don't be impressed. 
It's also an indication to me when someone starts whining about why something is taking so long. Well, please don't do that. Don't whine. Just ferme la bouche. Keep keep working. It'll come, and you'll find the healing you have through real demonstration and consecration. And learning the truth is incredible, and it will put you in a place that you never even knew existed. You didn't even know it existed. And that is what we want, not just some quick fix. You might as well go to a doctor. And that's the whole point. Faith cure does not does not take you closer to God, does not improve your understanding of who and what you really are. And it doesn't eliminate the fear of the problem reoccurring. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And it's a moral regeneration as well, you know, which you don't get when it, you know some physical thing is quickly healed like that. Correct. Thank you. Absolutely. So, what you gain in science is very wonderful and worth every bit of it. Every bit of all the exhausting work. <laughs> I hope your sister listens. To this. <laughs> no, trust me, she's not listening. <laughs> okay, well that's okay then. Well, no, all the, the joyful work that it takes, and it is very joyful. Now, <clears throat> briefly, um, Izzy wrote a question, you know, about on, on the bulletin board about mortal man and immortal man, and. Um, and, and we've talked about this many times, and there's not two, there's only the one, but it's a matter of relative and, and absolute when we talk in these terms, and she once wonders about Mrs. Eddie talking about a mortal man. And Jeremy did answer it very well. Um, and I would like to get into it, but I'm not sure we're going to have time. So, But the reason I'm bringing it up at all is because our next... Um, Liberator, the theme is going to be knowing yourself as a child of God, which is what this is about. And this should be in the magazine because it's beautiful question, beautiful answer. All right. And it's very important, as Florence will tell us (laughs) many times and rightfully so. If you don't know who you are, you have no basis from where to start. Right. So... Um, if we have time, I'll let you read more, but I, there's something else I wanted to get into. There's so many things in every lesson, it's hard to decide, but the idea of dust. It's interesting because this week's lesson sort of is a parallel to what's going on in The Chosen, too, with the disciples going out and some of the quotes. Anyway, um, again, Carrie sent a really good article called Shall the Dust Praise Thee? And it talks about where Mrs. Eddy defines dust as nothingness, the absence of substance, life, or intelligence. And surely nothingness is is not that which can satisfy or attract man or which can frighten man as the reflection of intelligence, the expression of substance, and the evidence of life. Dust is valueless to man. And it's quoting, you know, the in the lesson this week when the disciples were told by Christ Jesus, if a house would not receive them, to shake off the dust of your feet. This is a very important concept to understand, and we all need to do it at times. And then and then let your peace return to you, shake off the dust. And in this article, these two commands being obeyed there, there, then there is no chance for there to be resentment, for anger, for malice, for bitterness, grief, or sorrow. We cannot dignify the dust by talking about it, thinking about it, weeping about it, being hurt over it, and then realize it's nothing. This is very important. If you go out and, you know, whatever you're trying to share with someone is not accepted, or in any instance in the past, 
where maybe things haven't worked out, you consider it dust and you have to shake it off. Shake it off. Don't ruminate. Don't talk about it. Don't resent it. It's dust. And the beginning of the article is interesting, too, because it says, um, Christian science reveals to mankind the very nature of God as spirit, and man is a spiritual likeness. Why then write about dust? Why think about it? <laughs> Why indeed? Why have daily dusting in house and office? Why use a vacuum cleaner and brooms and whatnot? It's very exhausting, by the way. <laughs> and the, answer is, <laughs> the answer is to remove the dust, to clean the house. Back of the use of the vacuum cleaner, underlying the use of the duster, is the recognition to, to mortal sense there is something valueless, something which needs to be and must be and can be removed. So please remember this. Um, shake the dust off your feet. Anytime you're in any kind of an unpleasant experience or experience that the truth is not accepted, you you have to. Otherwise, you'll just go around with it, and you don't want to do that because then it's exhausting. It's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> it's exhausting. Yeah, it's terribly exhausting, and that is exhausting. That is why. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, well. Jeremy has left now, so, but all of you, it's on the bulletin board, the question and the answer, and it's beautifully answered, and we will use it in the next Liberator, and it's very important for you to understand a very important and, and basic point. Um, the other thing that I was um, interested in, the lesson, where it says, where Jesus said, upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Upbraid means to charge with something wrong or disgraceful, to reprove with severity. So, again, examples of, of the Christ not always being this meek and mild, as the definition of humble was, but, but sometimes authoritative with power to cast out any error. And um, he opened up their eyes that they might understand the scriptures. And we must always pray that we, too, open up our eyes, that we understand the scripture, that it's not hidden to us. Um, there's another beautiful article Carrie sent about that as well, which I think we can use in the history section. Because it, it was a new um, a new interpretation of what the Christ said um, when he says, and, and they answered saying that this age of unrighteousness and unbelief is under the power of Satan, who does not permit the things which are made impure by the evil spirits to comprehend the truth of God and his power. Well, what a lie that is. So, but this this is a belief, maybe, that people won't understand this. You can't understand it. You don't accept that. Of course you can understand it. You think God made you and then said, okay, Linda, you're not going to understand a cotton-picking thing around here. You're just going to be in, <laughs> in, the, in the blind sense of things. No, of course not. He made us understand his word, but we have to declare for it and not think we can't understand or don't know what we need to know yeah. all knowing all seeing all acting all wise all loving eternal all right gary will end with another beautiful article by violet kersamer and it's about letting your light shine and how important it is every opportunity you get and what it does and how it did with the christ she writes, Jesus' reflection of love was so great, so irresistible, that it drew the unhappy maniac out of gloomy tombs, right out of his chains, mental and physical, and healed him instantly, that is to say, awakened him. In this manifestation of the Christ, the man found himself. To the woman at the well also, Jesus revealed her true selfhood. And the good news spread, so that even her townsfolk went out of the city and came unto him. 
This call of truth, when responded to, breaks all our fetters, sets us free, and feeds the latent hunger after righteousness and holiness. Deep down in the heart of every man, however low he may have fallen, there lies a dormant appreciation of goodness and a yearning to share in it. To be sincere, this yearning must be active. Otherwise, it will accomplish but little for ourselves and our fellow creatures. And we should bear in mind that we are not truly loving good when we are voicing error. Jesus sounded the keynote of genuine and efficacious love when he said, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. The same fidelity that Jesus showed is required of us today. And in the wisdom and beauty of Christian science, we can learn to reflect the divine nature so fully that it will awaken the divine good in our fellow man as well as in ourselves. For goodness responds to the one good just as surely as love responds to love. Thus we learn how truly kind kindred all goodness is, how it unites us to one another and to our common origin in God. Mortals have sought happiness in a perverted way by seeking to reverse man's nature, by clinging to so-called material treasures, rather than by reflecting and radiating the substance, the qualities of spirit, and so have mistakenly strayed into the blind alley of selfishness and missed the road to happiness. But the road lies open to the returning footsteps of every prodigal and every backslider, and when we see scientifically that there can be no selfish or materialistic instinct in man because there is none in God, we shall by degrees cease to indulge or be misled by this miserable belief of selfishness which promises so much and fulfills so little. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.